All right, we're in Mark chapter 1 still. Can you believe it? This is our seventh week in the book of Mark, and we're just now finishing chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're in Mark 1, and we're in the, the last few verses of Mark chapter 1. And this is a really cool story. I love this story. If you've taken the pursuit, which is, a, or if you've, read, if you've grabbed a pursuit booklet, I encourage you to grab one of those. You've heard this story because we referenced this story in, uh, in, I think it's the first chapter of The Pursuit, the story of Jesus healing the leper. And here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn about leprosy. We're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to learn about us. But in these verses, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, Jesus heals a leper. And the cure that he offers isn't just spiritual. It actually points to a healing that impacts every part of our lives. Okay, so first... Before we go to the text, Mark chapter one, before we go to the text, you need to know about leprosy. How many of you have heard about leprosy? Raise your hand if you've heard about leprosy. It's actually got another name, it's called Hansen's disease, that's another name for it. I always used to think that leprosy is where you would just be walking around and then spontaneously your arm would fall off or something like that. Or is it just me? That's what I always thought about when I thought about leprosy, like I thought it'd be people that don't have limbs anymore and things like that. Now that was, that was a lot of times what would happen. You would end up losing digits in lep- because of leprosy, but leprosy wasn't just, isn't like a disease where, where your body parts fall off. Leprosy is actually a disease where your nerve endings die. If you get leprosy, your nerve endings die so that you can't tell if your shoes aren't fitting right, and so you end up getting blisters. Now, I don't think you women care so much about that because you wear shoes for the look of it. This is my understanding of the difference between a man and a woman. Is like my, tri- my wife would always like wear these shoes. I'm like, she's like, these are so uncomfortable. I'm like, why, why did you buy them then? She's like, because they're so cute or they match my purse or whatever. Well, get rid of the shoes and the purse then. We don't need any of it, right? Anyway, so that's leprosy, right? Leprosy is when you don't know that the shoes are causing blisters. And so because of that, the nerve endings aren't working. You don't know there's a problem. See what I'm saying? You don't know there's a problem. Or if you don't have nerve endings in your fingers and, and you're, you're, you're hitting, you, you, you hit your fingers against something or whatever, like you can't, you can't tell that there's a problem and therefore you don't, you don't get treatment for the problem. And so this is the kind of thing that actually causes big problems in the end, and this is what leprosy is really all about. Now, I I want you to just think about this for a second, because we're going to be talking about, we're going to look at the story in just a minute, but we're going to talk about this in terms of of the metaphor that it gives us for sin. Because sin, this is what sin is. Sin is when you go the wrong way, you make the wrong choices. Sin is when you try to kick God off the throne of your life. You think that you know better than he does. Another way to think about sin is, sin is spiritual leprosy. Sin is spiritual insensitivity. Like when we come to know Jesus, we have this sensitivity to Jesus. We have a sensitivity to right and wrong. The Bible calls it conviction. We have this conviction in our lives, and we recognize that God's in charge, that God's on the throne. We recognize that we should let him call the shots. 
We, like our value number one as a church is we look to God and his word and all that we do is, that's the opposite of leprosy. It's, it's I want to be, I want to have this sensitivity to God's way in my life. I want to submit to him in my life. In fact, one of the prophets, Ezekiel, said this, there's going to come a day when you don't need the law written down anymore because he says, I'll write the law on your heart and I will move you, I will move you, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and I will put in a tender, responsive heart that's not leprous. A tender, responsive heart that's sensitive and responsive to the moving of the Spirit. That's, the, that's is in essence, what Christianity is. Being a follower of Jesus is, is having this, this desire, this sensitivity. I'm going to use that word again. This sensitivity, like fe- a feeling, a feeling that we want to go God's way, like a sensitivity to him in our lives so that he can lead us from the inside out. Sin is the opposite of that. Sin is, I don't wanna hear about it, I don't wanna think about it, I don't care what God says. Sin is like an, an, an inability to know that you have a problem and that you need a solution. Because if you were a leper, you didn't know that, you weren't sensitive to that, and therefore it caused more and more problems in your life, and that's what sin does for us. And so with that as a backdrop, I don't want you to just think about the leper that we're about to see and the healing, and spoiler alert, Jesus is going to heal a leper, but I want you to think about it in your life as well and in my life, maybe for you or for someone that you know that, that needs this awareness of God and his healing power in our lives. All right, Mark chapter one, let's look at it. Verse 40. A man with leprosy came and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now the Old Testament talks about leprosy and I I think we need to go back to that verse because it's important for us to see this sort of the Jewish culture, and this was a Jewish guy, this leper was Jewish, and he, and he was part of the Jewish community, and Jesus was Jewish, and so Jesus did his ministry mainly to the Jewish people at this time. And so it's important for us to have a little bit of context, and to get that context, we have to go back to Leviticus chapter 13 in the Old Testament. This is the, the Leviticus is the book of the law. These are, the Levites were the priests, and so the, this is what God said about how to handle a leprous person. A leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. No, Luke is not a leper. I know some of you are thinking that right now. Like, wait, that guy right there, was he? No, he's, that's just, he chooses to do that. He's not leprous. It says he shall, he shall cover his upper lip and cry out. So it's like this. I mean, we can all relate to this with, COVID, with this COVID thing, right? Literally saying he should put a mask on, but... They didn't have masks, so you would cover your upper lip with your hand and cry out, unclean, unclean. Could you, ima- could you just pause for a second and imagine that if you were a leper? You didn't ask for this disease, but you had to, if you were around anyone or if anyone wandered into your leper's camp, you had to call out, unclean, unclean, like a warning, like get away, like how embarrassing how isolating that would feel to have to do that. And it says, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean and shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This was leprosy. 
a leper by the law had to be isolated and alone. Now let's just go back for a second to our metaphor with sin. This is, isn't this true for sin? sin? Sin has this effect on our lives. Sin creates isolation. Every kind of sin creates isolation in our lives. In fact, the very first sin in the Bible, Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the forbidden fruit, and before that moment, they walked with God in the garden, and after that moment, they hid from God. In fact, God came and said, where are you? Now, he knew where they were, but I think part of that was he wanted, he wanted them to recognize what happened because of their sin. Sin does this for us. Think about this in your own life. When you sin, when you live in sin, now, not everybody necessarily knows about it. In fact, the deepest, darkest sins are the ones that you're keeping from people, but what do they do in, in our lives? It creates darkness, it creates hiding, it creates distance between us and people that we care about or the people who could help us. So here this leper is, and this is what he has to live with. This is how his life is. And so he comes to Jesus, and he breaks the law, by the way, because that verse we just read is he knelt at Jesus' feet. He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to be that close, right? Six feet distance, right? We know all about that. Like he was supposed to stay far away. He wasn't covering his mouth. He, in his desperation, came to Jesus and he knelt at his feet. And he said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And here's the cool part. I love this. Verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Let's break this down because I want to make sure that you understand what's going on in this passage. First of all, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. In fact, it, he, it doesn't, it's not just Mark's commentary on this, it's actually what Jesus himself said. These are powerful words. Jesus said, I am willing. See, the, the leper in the previous verse, the leper said, if you're willing, you can heal me. Two statements there. The one statement is he knew that Jesus had the power to heal. He understood that Jesus was powerful enough and authoritative enough and Jesus, had, Jesus was the great physician. This leper had, we would call that faith. He had faith in the greatness of God. He had faith in the power of Jesus to heal him. That wasn't the question. He said, you can heal me. The question was, I don't know if you want to. I mean, think about that. What that means is he understood the power of God, the, good, the greatness of God, but he questioned the goodness of God. Now, have you ever done that? I've, I've done that in my life before. I think it's so much easier to believe that God is great than to believe that he's good. It's so much easier to recognize that there's, there's a power bigger than us. There's, something's got to be behind all of this. Everyone knows that. Most people, like we all have this intrinsic, innate understanding that we're not the God of the universe and there's someone that's out there that must have created all of this. Really, even atheists, if they were gonna be really honest, I think they have to admit there's gotta be something more than this. So we all know that there's something great about God. But I think what a lot of people struggle with is I don't know if he's good I don't know if the God who exists, I don't know if the power behind all of this, I don't know if he has a, like, kindness. I don't know if he has compassion. I don't know if he cares about what I'm going through right now, this week. 
or what happened to you last year, what happened to you when you were a kid. Like, I don't know if God cares about that. I know he's big, I know he's powerful, but I don't know if he's near to me, and I don't know if he's good. And that's why I love these three simple words. Jesus erased all doubt. Jesus said, I am willing. Jesus indicated that his heart was good for the leper. And then he did, he did the unthinkable. It says that he touched him. Now think about this for a second. Jesus, in fact, go, go through the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you're gonna see there are many, many times where Jesus heals just by saying a word. In fact, there's one dad who came up desperate for his, for his child. He said, my child is sick at home in bed. I couldn't even bring my child to you, but if you would come with me, I know that you can heal my child. And Jesus said, your child is healed. Your faith is healed. Your child go and you'll find that child healed. So Jesus didn't even have to be in the same room with somebody. That's how powerful he is. That's how great he is. God spoke the whole universe into existence with a word. So he didn't have to touch the guy. He could have just said, you're healed, now get away from me. (laughs) I think Jesus touched him on purpose, and I think Mark even tells us this on purpose. Remember, Mark's gospel is the short, action-packed gospel. Mark Mark tells us only what we need to know. He doesn't use a lot of extra words, but Mark wanted to make sure we knew this, that Jesus touched a leper. Think about what that communicated to the leper. The leper probably hadn't been touched in a decade. Not physical touch in a decade. Some of you are like, I would love that. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. Trust me, you wouldn't. I think we all learned this with COVID. Like we need, even introverts, we need each other, right? Jesus wanted to send a message that he cared about this leper, even though, even though touching him created two potential problems. Number one, when you touched a leper, leprosy was very contagious. When you touched a leper, there was a decent chance you were going to get leprosy. That was the first problem. The second problem is that either way, Jesus was spiritually, ritually unclean by touching a leper. When you touched a leper, you become ritually unclean. So Jesus was jeopardizing all of that, but yet he did it because he wanted to send a message that he has compassion and that he is willing and that he's not just great, but that he's good. And so Jesus touched him. But here's the cool part, as we see in verse 42, is that the man was healed. This wasn't supposed to happen. Leprosy is supposed to work like this. If I touch the leper, you spread your disease to me. The leper spreads his disease to me. That's how it's supposed to work. But it, it never works like that with Jesus. Jesus, it shows him, and this is part of what, this is, kind of goes with this whole metaphor with sin, is, is when Jesus comes into contact with us, instead of him getting infected with our disease, he infects us with his goodness, with his perfection, with his wholeness. And so, the leprosy disappeared and the man was instantly healed. That was the miracle cure. What a powerful cure. And this is, this is what we can have when we come into contact with Jesus as well. Now this is where you expect the story to end, right? You, this is Mark's gospel after all. Like He's like, this is good. That's, that was, there's so much we learned right here already. Powerful statement about the power of Jesus. But there's still a few more verses in chapter one. 
And I want, you, I want you to see why this is powerful because this is the prescription. Verse 43, then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Jesus wasn't ready for people to know. This is only Mark chapter one. Like Jesus, Jesus wasn't ready for the word to be out yet about his healing power. So he said, don't tell anyone about this. But he said, instead, go to the priest and let him examine you and take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. And this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Here's what was happening. See, leprosy wasn't just a physical disease. That was half of the problem. Half of the problem was this guy's fingers were falling off or his arm or whatever, right? That was half of the problem. The other part of the problem was he was isolated. He was in the camp. He, he couldn't be around people. So the other problem was relational or social. And Jesus wanted to give the leper a complete healing. See, if, if the leper didn't go to the priest... If the leper didn't get verified by the priest that he was healed, then the leper couldn't go back into society. The leper couldn't have relationships. So he would be healed well enough, but if the priest, if the priest didn't validate that healing, then his relationships would still be broken. But Jesus wanted the leper to have complete healing. And this is his heart toward us as well. See, our leprosy, sin, Sin breaks every part of us. This is the deal with sin. Sin isn't just a spiritual problem. Sin breaks every part of what makes you, you. So think about what makes you, you. Think about all the components that make up a person. Like, we're physical bodies, right? We're physical. So sin causes sickness and disease. Did you know that? Sin, not, you're, not just like, if you're sick, that means you did something wrong. That's not what I mean. I just mean that before sin entered the world, there was no disease or death or anything. Sin enters the world and all of a sudden everything's broken in the world. So that means cancer is because of sin. Cancer is because of human sin. That means even the world, the earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes, that's because the world is broken because of sin. So sin breaks everything. So sin is a physical problem. Sin leads to financial problems. Sin leads to emotional problems. If you have anxiety or depression, again, it's not because you're a sinner, it's because we're sinners. It's because sin breaks the human condition. And so sin causes every problem that you've ever encountered in your life. That's because sin is in the world. Those problems won't be there in heaven. So sin breaks every part of us, including our relationships. Sin destroys relationships. That's one of the problems. And then, of course, sin destroys us spiritually. Sin leaves us broken and dead spiritually. And so what I love about this story is here's the leper that gets to go and fix not just the physical problem, but Jesus wants to make sure that his relational problems are done as well. And so Jesus' prescription is for the sake of the leper. He wants to heal every part of him, just like he wants to heal every part of us. But there's one more verse. 
Verse 45 is the last verse in chapter one, and there's one more verse, and I love, I have a theory on why Mark included this one. Because it says that the man went and spread the word proclaiming to everyone what had just happened. Okay, so Jesus just gave him a stern warning, like, don't, don't tell anyone, and the guy couldn't help himself. Now, I see myself in this, I see a lot of new believers in this, where you come to faith, and you're so excited, you're so exuberant, that sometimes you can even sort of maybe cross some boundaries and do some things that you're not supposed to do. I, I just love it. It reminds me of a, of a guy in high school. I played football with, uh, in high school. Yeah, I was a kicker. And... Um, in, <laughs> And I, they had me pray before all of the, all of the games, and I, I love that. I, I love that the kicker got to be the chaplain as well, and so I'd pray before all the games. And one of, during the course of that season, one of my friends on the team came to faith and became a Christian. And he said, I want to pray before the game on Friday night. And I'm like, that's awesome. Do it. His name was Dennis. I'm like, do it, Dennis. And so Dennis, that, that night we all took a knee and, and the captain of the team said, Brian, go ahead and pray. I said, actually, Dennis is gonna pray today. And Dennis was so excited and he, everybody bowed their heads and Dennis just prayed this flowery, poetic prayer. It was really cute. You know, just, Lord, we just thank you for the flowers and the trees and the clouds in the sky. It was just really, it was beautiful. And, um, and he said, we just pray that you'd protect us and keep us safe and keep the other team safe too. In Jesus' name, amen. And as soon as he said amen, half the team just said, that was the stupidest prayer, Dennis, what are you doing? And as we walked out of the locker room that day, Dennis was cussing everybody out as he's walking out. When we, when we first become Christians, we don't really always, you know, in our exuberance, we don't, we don't always necessarily obey Jesus. And here this guy was. I think Jesus understood that this was going to happen. But what's really interesting about the end of this story is it says that as a result, large, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. And what I, want is, what I want you to see, and maybe you'd never noticed this before, I hadn't noticed this before, but I want you to see what it says about Jesus at the end of this interaction with the leper, is that he had to stay in the secluded places. I think Mark tells us that on purpose, because I think he wants us to see this exchange that happens when we encounter Jesus. When Jesus encountered the leper, the leper was secluded and isolated. And then Jesus heals the leper. And Jesus didn't get leprosy, but Jesus now at the end of the story is in secluded places like a leper. And this reminds me of that passage in Isaiah where Isaiah says that Jesus took on our infirmities, that he took on our sin, and he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and we're the ones who deserved the punishment, but he's the one who took the punishment on the cross. It's the great exchange that Jesus makes with us when we encounter him, this great physician that he finds us in our, in our desperate, dark place. He finds us with the sin of leprosy and he touches us and he shows us his willingness and he heals us and then he takes on to himself. He absorbs himself. He absorbs all of the results of sin. He takes it on himself and he lets us go free, and he, gets, he lets us live in victory. This is the Jesus that we see in this story at the end of Mark chapter one. This is the great physician who's not just great, 
but he's also good. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see in this story a picture of who you really are. And God, I pray in particular for the person who's here who has a different picture of God. Their picture of God is is not a biblical concept, but it's a concept that they've picked up for some reason. And Lord, I pray that they would see the heart of love and compassion and graciousness. I pray that they would see a God who is powerful enough to heal, but who's also willing to do it. And God, I pray for the person in here today who recognizes, who is now sensitive to the weight of their sin. They recognize they've got, it's like they have feeling back in their fingers again, spiritually speaking, and they recognize, maybe even just today for the first time, they recognize that they need a doctor. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would come to you to find healing and complete wholeness. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.